From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Howdy to those of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And hey you, listening to the live audio stream on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid you the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, now, before we get rolling here with the time prompt phenomenon, I just want to give a warm and appreciative shout out uh, to a couple of people. Denny Bladell and Kirk Shamel, or uh, Shamel. Uh, who are members of my loyal Star Chamber supporters at patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Uh, Denny and Kirk, uh, thanks for your uh, continued support. It means a lot, believe me. Thank you to you both. All right. All over the world, people report seeing number patterns throughout their day, whether on digital clocks or restaurant bills or even bus benches. Many see the same pattern and wonder, what is this trying to tell me? What is this numeric sequence saying? There are those who see 1111, or 111, or 222, 333, and so on, 1212, 1234, and possibly the most popular and oft-reported number sequence, 1111. What's it all mean? Well, hopefully, over the next hour, we'll be able to at least partially unravel the mystery. Marie D. Jones is a best-selling author of non-fiction and fiction and a screenwriter, producer with her own company, Where's Lucy Productions. She's appeared on television and on radio all over the world and has hundreds of credits writing for magazines, guest blogs, reviews, short stories, online articles, and gift books. She's lectured widely on the paranormal, unknown anomalies, cutting-edge science, metaphysics, and human consciousness. And she is the co-author of 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, Mysterious Signs, Sequences, and Synchronicities. Marie Jones, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. It's been a while. How are you? It has. It's good to be back, Richard. I'm, I'm doing good. Now, uh, I remember this, this is, I believe, this is the second edition, right? This, uh, I remember when this book came out a few years ago and you've, you've updated it and revised it. Well, oh yeah, so it came out a little before 2012 uh, because a lot of the uh, 1111 references at the time actually had something to do with the whole Mayan calendar 2012 thing, which we can get into a little bit. So uh, the publisher recently, uh, New Page Books, was acquired by Red Wheel Weiser Press and they took all of the books that I have written in the past and that I had written with Larry Flaxman, and they decided that they're going to start revising and re-releasing some of the more popular titles. Well, the original 1111 was probably the most popular title that uh, I had written with Larry Flaxman. It really was just um, a big success at the time, which is really kind of interesting because... The publisher approached us with the idea, and up until then, I really had no idea there was such a thing as this 1111 time prompt phenomenon. So it was kind of fun to do the research and learn about, uh, you know, all the craziness that was going on with these time prompts. 
and especially with the 11-11. Right. I was kind of joking, well, only half joking, about, you know, whether this time-prompt phenomenon, and, I, I mean, the success of the book is, you know, you touched a nerve. It's one of those things, it's like the Mandela effect, that almost everybody has a story about the Mandela effect, and I think most people have a sequence of numbers that sort of follow them around. But I'm, I, I was joking before, is this a product of the digital age? Because I can't imagine it would have been as apparent when we all had analog clocks or, you know, even before that with the sundials, for example. Well, yeah, I don't know about sundial, the sundial generation. <laughs> but my own agent, Lisa Hagen, told me that back in the 1970s, she and friends of hers used to talk about seeing these time prompts. So I think they've been around for decades, but definitely they're, they've become more popular with more different, uh, different methods of seeing number prompts. I mean, you know, before we had to look at our watches, uh, now we have digital everything and cell phones and, and our gadgets that are always on. And so we notice it more, not only that, but we have this monster called social networking so now when someone notices it, the first thing they do is go post on Facebook or Instagram, hey, it's 11-11, and it spreads like wildfire. So I definitely think it's been around for a long time. It's definitely increased in popularity. But 11-11, interestingly enough, the height of the importance of that particular time prompt actually came from the idea that, you know, the, the the world was supposed to either end or have some kind of major transformation on December 21st, 2012. Well, we all know that the world didn't end, thankfully. But what was interesting is that we found that there was a direct connection with the Greenwich Mean Time that the winter solstice on that day was supposed to begin. And that was at 11.11 a.m. Ah. So, you know, a lot of people that are into the whole ascension and the transformation of the collective human consciousness really felt like something big was going to happen at that time. Moving into the I, age of Aquarius. Exactly. Now, did we or didn't we? I, you know, there's a lot of people that will say that they had sort of an individual awakening. And I certainly think that that's important because if you have enough of those, You'll get a tipping point, you know, where the consciousness of humanity will shift. But I would have to say that by looking at the news and the things that are going on in the world lately, I don't know that we have quite hit that tipping point yet. I think a lot of people had a personal transformation that day because they may have been expecting to have one. And that really ties in with these number sequences it, it, you know, are we expecting to see them? Have we trained our brains to see them? Have we attached importance to them that really isn't there? There's so many different theories and questions that go on with these number sequences and time prompts. Um, but, you know, we obviously the world didn't end, thankfully. But a lot of people feel like, well, gee, the world didn't ascend either to some fifth dimension level. Or if it did very few people are, have been made privy to it. The sequence, is it always four numbers? No, not at all. In fact, mine, all my life, has been 333. Three, three. And I still, every night, I wake up at 333. 
And I wake up and I just sort of, you know, chuckle. It's like, oh, here we go again. But I've been having that number show up on sales receipts, the clock, you know, just random places. And I know for other people, 444-1212-111, it's any number sequence that has a real pattern to it. I mean, somebody might say, well, I see 5983 all the time. Well, that's unusual. Um, I think our brains like to attach or latch onto very simple patterns. So 1111, my gosh, you know, what, what's, what's better than seeing four ones on your clock? It's just like, whoa. (laughs) Do the numbers have, have you discovered personal meaning to that person outside of the actual time prompt? So for example, in your case, 333, did you live and an address that had 333, and then so that it has personal meaning, or is it just you're followed around for unexplicable reason by these number sequences? You know, it's so funny that you say that, because to me, the number three, the number three is the number of perfection. It is the unification of dualities. It's just the perfect number. And three threes, of course, is even more perfect. Three, three, three adds up to nine. And I never thought of this until you just now said this but my childhood home was 72 captain shanky drive in garnerville new york (laughs) i know it was a real person he was a real i know we we just got made fun of so much for growing up on that street and then we found out he was a real person uh, but seven and two, 72 was my house number and that added up to nine and i just now thought huh because I, I had a great childhood, you know, mm-hmm. I just, it was so filled with, uh, I mean, I was writing and I was just so into science and, and the stars and planets. And uh, I was just one of those kids that was always in awe of everything. And I just now made that connection. But here's the thing. So there's two sides to this fence. <laughs> the one side is that these time prompts are meant to bring us very quickly into the present moment. So when you see something unique, like 1111 or 444 or 1212, you notice it because it's it's a pattern. It's not a bunch of random numbers. And what that does is it brings you into the present moment. We spend so much of our lives worried about things that happened in the past or stressed out and anxious over things that are coming in the future that these time prompts snap us back into the present. And what a lot of people told us and what a lot of people have told me over the years, because this book never really went away, I always have people messaging and emailing about it, is that in that present moment when they have they, they see or they notice that number sequence, a lot of times synchronicities will occur. And, you know, maybe they've been looking for a job and in that moment they'll get an email or, or they'll come up with a brilliant idea to contact such and such a company and, and it'll turn into a wonderful job. And so, and other people ascribe meaning in that they are really into interpreting time prompts as, uh, angelic messages. Other people are into numerology, so they look at the master number. Say 1111 is your time prompt. Well, that adds up to four. And then they interpret what the four means. And so there's so many different 
ways that people ascribe some spiritual meaning or personal meaning to it. Mm. Uh, now, the more... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, was, I was just going to offer my sequence, which is 1010. And, in fact, I may have told you the story the last what, years ago when we, we talked about the book. I can't remember, but... Uh, so, 1010. My... Uh, my my twin boys were born October 10th. That's the 10th month, the 10th day. Oh, they oh were, my gosh. They okay. Were, they were born, <laughs> well, the first one came out at 10 minutes after 10 in the morning. Oh. And mom and dad, that's me and uh, the mighty Aphrodite, we met at a radio station with the call numbers 1010. Oh, wow. And of course, whenever okay, I look. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, whenever I look at the clock, it's 1010. So then those numbers, I mean, they have meaning to me. Um, so I'm not sure whether now I'm just, I'm noticing them more or they're following me around anyway. Uh, that's, that's well, they, you know, they do have meaning too. And I think that a lot of people say, well, I don't really know what it's trying to tell me. And the thing is that there are people that know very consciously what, what's going on. They know what the associations are with their particular time prompt or, or number sequence and others have no clue and I always say you know it could very well be that your subconscious because numbers are symbols they're symbolic so your subconscious could totally get the message but it's not time yet for you to become consciously aware hmm. so don't worry don't stress out if you're you know seeing five, 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 25 times a day, and you're like, oh, my God, what the heck? Who's trying to tell me? What are they trying to say? Trust that your subconscious gets what's going on and that when the time is right, it will be revealed to you on a conscious level. Uh, now, the other side of the story is a little more boring, but I don't believe in uh, only showing one side of the story. So the other thing is this. The way that our brains are made, if we see something once, big deal. If we see something twice and it's the same, like 11-11, we go, oh, oh, I saw that yesterday. How funny. And if we see it a third time, literally what we have done is create a new neural pathway hmm. for 11-11 to now start appearing all the time. And we, we know that this happens in a lot of different situations. Like, I always like to talk about, you know, you go to buy a car and you decide you're going to get this really bizarre color. A friend of mine just bought a Toyota Corolla and the color is like, oh gosh, mahogany spice. You know, it's like this really <laughs> weird, I've never seen a color like that. It's, it's like a red with, caramel tones in it. It's hmm. really, really pretty. And I've never seen a car like that before. But now that I saw her car, I'm seeing them all all over the place. Right, right. So, I mean, it's not really that it's important to me, but it, suddenly my perception was made aware of this, right. you know, mahogany spice color. And now I'm seeing it all the time. And this happens to us all the time. Until something becomes important to us, we don't notice it. Our right. brain doesn't have it. Well, that's that, that's a more prosa- yeah, that's a more prosaic explanation. But to me, it's not boring. I mean, the idea that we are creating these new neural pathways because we see something, let's say, you know, three times, four times, five times. To me, that's that's fascinating too. But it's not you know, it's not necessarily an either or proposition, is it? Because just because 
the prosaic explanation fits in some right. cases doesn't rule out it's like those experiments i think they were in they were in uh, switzerland where they were able to induce an out of body experience by by uh, stimulating certain parts of the, uh, the the cerebral cortex so to me i'm thinking okay that doesn't disprove a genuine out of body experience just Absolutely. because you can just because Absolutely. you can produce it in a lab so i think it's the same here uh, well yeah and i think you know there you have to wonder well why are certain people seeing certain number sequences if that were the case why would we not all be seeing and a lot of people do and a lot of people think that the numbers like 1111 that millions of people are seeing um and i don't think that's an exaggeration to say that all over the world i will bet you there are millions of people seeing it um you know it it, it does have some meaning well and patterns do have meaning sure Absolutely, they do. Uh, and as you point out in the book, the number eleven um, is mathematically special. Can you just kind of walk us? We just have a couple minutes here before the break, but why is the number eleven, mathematically speaking, so special? Oh gosh! If uh, when any string of ones is multiplied by itself, it, it's a palindrome. So when you have eleven times eleven, it's one twenty-one. Uh, when you add on more 11s, it'll be 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, uh, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So you're always going to get a palindrome out of it. So it gets really spooky because you could have 20 11s multiplied by 20 11s, and you're going to get a, a gigantic palindrome. It's a really interesting number. There's a lot of uh, really cool things about numbers that I learned, um, and I never really liked numbers before. <laughs> No, it is, it is fascinating. But, yeah. Patterns are everywhere. Well, as you say, you were talking about, you know, three being the number of, of perfection and, and, uh, where 11, uh, with this palindrome, it's, it's pure, it's symmetrical. Um, so what else? Oh, do, look, yeah. somebody planned out all of this, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I have to tell you, my father was the one that kind of got me into, really doing a lot of research into the, he believed numbers were paranormal. He said they're so mysterious and intricate and sophisticated that you would begin to think that God is a mathematician. And you really do get a sense of that when you look at some of the interesting patterns that are created with with specific numbers. Hmm. We put some fun stuff in the back of the book that shows that too, some of the trivia, but... Um, you know, people think of numbers in terms of, oh, i got to balance my checkbook or do my taxes. We really don't understand that mathematics goes way beyond just the numbers that we deal with in our daily lives. Right. It's uh, Some have suggested that it is sort of the, the architecture of the matrix. Yes. Uh-huh. The language of the universe, too. Right. All right, well, well, we'll drill down on a couple of these ideas when we come back. Marie Jones is the co-author of 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, and we'll open up the phone lines as well. What numbers, what mysterious sequence follows you around, and what do you think it's trying to tell you? You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Marie Jones is with us for the full hour, and we're discussing the time prompt phenomenon, and hopefully we'll get some of your stories in here before we dim the lights and say good night, good morning. Um, I wanted to ask you about Carl Jung, and uh, we're, we're familiar with sort of Jungian symbology and, and um, metaphors in the mind and dreams and so forth. What did he, did he have anything to say about numbers in this way? Does, did, it, did it speak about the subconscious mind? Well, that's one of the more spiritual aspects that I think we can look at numbers as being archetypal. Um, obviously, he he wasn't really big into mathematics as a student. I know he had a lot of trouble with them. But his um, his writings and his teachings about archetypes really come into play where the time prompt phenomena, the sequences, the patterns, again, they may not be understood by us consciously, but the collective unconscious, which was the which is the realm of archetypes, may actually be where we understand what they're trying to tell us and how certain numbers can have a certain meaning. Uh, so again, we may not understand things on the surface, but definitely our human psyche is affected by numbers what the numbers stand for. He believed that each number had a different meaning or stood for something in particular. For example, two was the polarity of opposites or duality, which of course we all, we all know. Three was a movement towards a resolution, which like the, the perfection of number three being the unification of duality is a very archetypal and symbolic thing. So that's, One of the things that I really enjoyed is because I wrote a a book much later called The Power of Archetypes. And I remember writing the book and all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh, I forgot to include numbers. Mm. Numbers are truly symbolic. Our birthdays are symbolic. Our ages, you know, we we ascribe meaning to uh, midlife crises or you know, the age of menopause or adolescence. and uh, So definitely that's where that comes into play, the idea that even beyond our personal subconscious, there may be a deeper part of our psyche where we're all connected. It's a universal uh, aspect of, of who we are as human beings where we understand these symbols. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or where you live. They are universal. So, you know, somebody in China or Cambodia or New Jersey will get the symbolism behind the number three, the number one, the number two, the number seven. doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Hmm. The other thing that, uh, well, there's so many things that I found interesting in, in the book, but one is this, this small patch of neurons uh, yes. It's responsible for giving us this, you call it the number sense. It's almost like the sixth sense, except not seeing dead people, but it's responsible for numbers. Well, not only that, but the, we have this part of the brain, the reticular activating system, that uh, I am just so excited about this because I think this could apply to a lot of paranormal research in that our brains, we, you know, we, 
our brains are bombarded with so much information. And even when we, you know, if our, if we're given a number sequence and our brains have to try to recall it, you know, our memory can only go so far. We've got this little cluster of neurons that does the job for us. They'll hear or see a sequence and they'll be able to repeat it back to us. But there's a limit to that. You know, it seems to me the sweet spot is about seven numbers that we can remember, like a phone number. <laughs> That's right. about the area code. Um, and then beyond that, we have a lot of difficulty. So it seems like our brains are really built to uh, have a lot of recall for smaller number groupings. Now, the reticular activating system, what really excited me about this, this plays into everything from the law of attraction to 11.11, the time prompt phenomenon, and possibly to paranormal phenomenon. Our brains have a, 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 a small cluster of fibers and neurons near the brain stem that literally filter out of, you know, billions and billions of bits of information that we have coming at us every day. They filter it down to a very, very small amount that we are then going to perceive and respond and react to. And, and that small amount is what's important for our day-to-day survival. This is a very primitive survival-based uh, mechanism in the brain. But if you give the RIAS something new to look for, something new to allow in through the filter, you will then begin seeing it all the time. So that's where the whole time prompt thing comes into play. Like I said earlier, you see 11.11 once, big deal. You see it twice, coincidence. You see it three, four times, your RIS kicks in, and it's now going to create, your brain will literally now seek out that pattern. It's important now, and you're going to be seeing it everywhere. It's now a part of the little it's and bits of information that you're allowed to perceive every day because your RAS is filtering out all the junk that it doesn't think you need. So what that leads to, the question, what is it filtering out? All of these billions of bits of information, what does that include? That because it doesn't have to do with our day-to-day survival needs, We're not seeing it. We're not perceiving it. It could be right at the tip of our noses. Right. So that was something new that was added into the book that absolutely fascinates me for a number of reasons. You know, people say, well, the law of attraction is the RAS. Basically, you're telling the RAS, hey, listen, I need you to go out and look for money-making opportunities for me. Or I need you to look for a boyfriend for me. And it will now open that filter a little wider. Uh, to allow that information to come through, whereas before it was filtering it out because it didn't think you needed it. So I think you alluded to this earlier that it, it, it may, might explain a lot of paranormal activity in that, uh, this, this collection of neurons that's responsible for really pattern recognition, it, it may find because we like to make sense of the world, we need to seek out patterns, but sometimes we see things you know, you look at a piece of wallpaper and someone says, well, there's Jesus. And someone says, I don't see it. But then once you see right, it, you can't not yeah. see it, right? So is right, that the same exactly. thing? Is that the same thing? It, it, I think it is. I think, you know, our brains naturally want to create order out of chaos. 
So and it's funny because when I was little, I remember looking at my grandmother had this really bizarre uh, wallpaper that I it just was like all these weird flowers and swirls. And I would stare at it while I was trying to go to sleep at night because we used to stay overnight and I could see faces and little dogs and sheep. And so, you know, we refer to that as matrixing or pareidolia. I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, by the way. But it is the brain looking at something chaotic and trying to find order in it. Um, and, you know, it, it, the order may or may not really be there, but we just have such a powerful desire to do that that our brains will automatically look for order. And, and with the RAS, if if there there could be ghostly activity all around us, and I love the RAS might explain why you might see something. Let's say we go to a haunted location like the Queen Mary. And, and this actually happened to me. I was standing next to someone who was seeing something and I'm not seeing a thing. Now, is that because that person's RAS was more open to that and allowed it to come through the filter and mine was just like, blocking it out right, right if we can somehow you know what is it that we're not perceiving because we don't have a need to know is it like this this is a need to know basis that we're operating on here so there's all this stuff going on that we're not seeing we're not hearing we're not sensing animals obviously can see and hear uh you know other parts of light and sound spectrum that we can't hmm. but what if our ras suddenly is activated or prompted to begin to apply importance to something like that. Then we then we see it all the time. Right. So right. I'm always, I always like to look for physiological things that are going on in our bodies that might have something to do with why one person will see an apparition and the person standing next to them doesn't see a thing. It's, it's, it's funny you mentioned that. I have a, a caller. I had an open line segment in the first hour, and I expected to, to hear from this gentleman. He didn't call, but he often does. He lives just east of Toronto, and every time he calls, he has seen another UFO. It's almost a daily occurrence. Oh. <laughs> and, I mean, I've never seen one in my life, and I, 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 you know, my career is talking about them. I've never seen one. Uh, Same here. <laughs> and, and, and someone, um, I think it was Grant Cameron who suggests, you know, he's talked to different, um, you know, people who supposedly were members of Majestic 12, and they say that if you really want to understand the UFO uh, phenomenon, you have to understand uh, psychic ability, ESP, things like that. And I don't know if, you know, we're all, if this is sort of all related or not, but um, uh, you say, why do some people see them, in this case, on a daily, a daily uh, basis, and some can go a lifetime without seeing them. When, when we come back, I, I want to talk about um, certain mathematicians and theoretical physicists and whether maybe they have a deeper understanding of what's going on here. We'll do that when we come back. Marie Jones, co-author of 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up 
must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We are back with Marie Jones talking the time prompt phenomenon. And you know it. There is a sequence of numbers that follows you around or you you find it or it finds you. What does it all mean? For me, it's 1010. For Marie, it's 333. Do you have uh, Owen in the other room? Do you have uh, Is there a time prompt for you? What is it? Mine is a uh, 1251. It's actually a reference to a song by The Strokes. I don't know if you know that band. I'm familiar with the band The Strokes, <laughs> right? Have, uh, yeah, they have that one song. It's called 1251. And after I heard that for the first time, I actually started seeing that everywhere. Interesting. Yeah. Do you play it in the and lottery? And that adds up to nine. <laughs> oh, it adds up to nine. Yeah, and it adds up to nine. What do you know? <laughs> There you go, that number nine, boy. Woo. <laughs> Seems like everybody's got their own, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Theoretical physicists, people like you know Stephen Hawking or the great mathematical minds, uh, Einstein, did they ever talk about this? Did they have a, maybe an, a deeper understanding of what this was about, how numbers were sort of the, I don't know, part of the architecture of the universe? Oh, gosh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, mathematics is the language of the universe, And I've often heard it said that if we were to contact an alien civilization or vice versa, they would not speak to us in words, but in mathematical ratios and different numbers. And what's really interesting is that the existence of the universe itself could possibly come down to just a handful of very intricate, very specific mathematical ratios that were they tweaked plus or minus in either direction at the very, very slightest, we would not exist. The universe would not exist. Galaxies would not exist. And one of my most favorite books that my father gave me to read was a book called Just Six Numbers written by Sir Martin Rees, who was um, the Royal Society Research Professor at Cambridge, who was the Astronomer Royal, he wrote a book literally about six very specific mathematical ratios that literally describe every aspect of how the universe and how life came into being biologically and chemically, even down to the teeny tiniest, most infinitesimal change, we would not be here. There would not be life. And another term for this is the Goldilocks principle, the idea that, you know, something is too hot, too cold. Oh, no, it's just right. And uh, another physicist, Paul Davies, wrote a book about this principle that the universe and life itself and, and the planets and everything that led to us being here was all a matter of mathematical processes and ratios that were just right, like a cosmic code that is so intelligent and so intricate and so sophisticated that it led to and has led to and continues to lead to a lot of physicists believing in intelligent design. And it's not necessarily intelligent design in a particular god of any certain religion, but the idea that whatever is at the heart of creation is intelligent. It has the capacity to function like a a giant brain, and many people believe a giant computer. 
people say, oh, well, it's all random, and maybe so, but that randomness in all of the infinite universes that are possibly out there, you know, in our universe, it really hit it with the patterns enough so that everything happened just precisely the right way that it should. Right. So that the porridge was just perfect. And it's just so fascinating to think how, you know, how could it be that, that sophisticated and not have a mind behind it. Right, right. You talk about the great astrologer Kepler in the book, the way that he sort of melded his understanding of astrological principles with theology and the idea that, again, it comes back to a divinely inspired geometrical reality to the universe. It sounds almost Masonic. Yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. And it kind of relates to the belief in sacred geometry that as above, so below, that what happens in the heavens is mirrored here and on earth. And not only that, but that we could actually construct our temples and monuments and, and roads and churches and, edit, you know, build buildings to reflect that and not only reflect it, but maybe even absorb some of the power of the cosmos here on an earthly level. So you start talking about science, but it's getting really metaphysical in there. Right, right. It's getting really woo-woo, but this is, you know, this is one of those areas where science and spirituality absolutely seem to come together, and they come together in in numbers, in mathematical ratios, and measurements, and sacred geometry, sacred measurements, things that, you know, by themselves might sound totally spiritual without any science in them, and yet they really do have a, a foundation of science and mathematics. There's an equation on Stephen Hawking's tombstone. Isn't that interesting that he would put a mathematical I don't know, equation? Because he was a, you know, a, my father was a geophysicist, but he was still a physicist, and gosh, that's that's like their language. So probably the most complex theory that Stephen Hawking, I know right before he died, he released a very important paper that had to do with, I think it was gravity. But to these scientists, the most important things that they're working on are trying to sort of unravel the mysteries of the universe. And that would include trying to figure out a very specific mathematical equation that maybe they're stumped on. So, I don't know, I kind of think that that sounds perfect rather than something funny or witty, you know? Right, right. I I thought maybe, I don't know, he was leaving a parting message and this is the key. We'll come back. Maybe it is. (laughs) (laughs) We'll come back and discuss further. Marie Jones, The Time Prompt Phenomenon. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Just a few moments remain with Marie Jones, co-author of 1111, The Time Prompt Phenomenon. I want to move away from 11 for a moment. Uh, the number 13. Of course, there is you know, there are fear of uh, the number 13, and there are a number of theories about that. Uh, and 13, it appears... Um, I'm trying to think of the uh, the example. Is it on the back of the um, the dollar bill? The 13 steps on the pyramid, and uh, the the motto above the pyramid has 13 letters. No, uh, uh, no 13th floor in the hotel. 
Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> 13 stars appear on the eagle's head on the dollar, uh, 13 stripes on the shield. What's, is, is, I don't know, is that a, a conspiracy? Are they messing with our minds? What's going on there with 13? Well, there's a lot of unusual numbers that have aspects like that. One that I'd like to get in real quick, 666. Ah, yes. Have to talk about that one. A, actually a good number in China. But if you add 666 together, guess what number you get? Nine. My favorite, nine. Okay, <laughs> so back to 13. Um, 13 has a lot of symbolism because of things like, uh, you know, Christ had his 12 apostles and with him, you have 13. The zodiac, there are 12 signs. And then there's the unification number. Just add another, so you've got 13. Um, it, 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 it adds up to number four. Number four is actually not a big lucky number or important number. It is to the Native Americans. They believe in the four winds, the four corners, the four elements. But the number 13 itself, really, uh, it just, there were, it was actually thought to be evil um, and that, you know, anybody associated with it was a witch or a pagan healer. And uh, it really is mentioned many times in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Uh, it's, it's a number that we see, you know, like you said, 13 stripes on the shield, 13 war arrows in the eagle's right talon. This is just on the dollar bill. The olive branch uh, in the eagle's left talon has 13 leaves. So it's definitely, I think, a uh, Masonic number, possibly. Hmm. That uh, that maybe has um, some symbolic symbolism to the Freemasons. I'm actually writing a book next year, early next year. It will supposedly be the definitive book on Freemasons, and I know that they were very much into uh, the number 33 and 13 and 11. So I'll be able to learn a lot more than that, but. Yeah, you know, number seven has always been considered a lucky number. It shows up everywhere in the Bible and, you know, with different religions mentioned seven and in so many different ways. And so right. it just really depends. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you covered the number 23 in the book, but uh, I remember that movie that came out early 2000s, I think, with Jim Carrey and about this character that was obsessed. He saw the number 23 wherever he went. And it turns out that 23, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on with that number. Yeah, we wrote a little bit about it, um, the 23 enigma and the belief that all events revolving around the number 23, as you saw in the movie, um, you know, was somehow... That number had a a personal uh, meaning for Jim Carrey's character, but we think the source came from the Illuminatus trilogy, Hmm. which I haven't read, but I I probably should. Robert Anton Wilson's Illuminatus trilogy has pretty much created so many um, fictional stories that we take to be true here in the United States, which is, which is really interesting. But one of the characters, Captain Clark, his ship and crew met with a terrible fate after 23 years. The piloted flight number 23 was sent to find them. Almost sounds like flight uh, 19. Right. In the Bermuda Triangle. Right. Uh, so we, that seems to be where the number 23 enigma came from. Apparently in Discordian philosophy, 
all events can be traced to the number 23 based on the ingenuity of the interpreter. Hmm. So that means if you're clever enough, you can find a way to attach the number 23 to any significant event in your life. And that kind of goes back to our first question of, do these time prompts have meaning? Um, Are they just tricks of the brain? Is the meaning there or is it a construct of the person's imagination? And I, I, I do believe that it's a combination of the two. Right, right. Well, um, this 23 enigma is so popular. I mean, there's a, there's a Facebook page for 2030ians. They're called 2030ians. These are oh, people who are, who are fascinated <laughs> with the number. Uh, and they see, the, they make all of these connections between Michael Jordan, I guess that was his number, uh, to Groucho Marx, uh, William F. Burroughs. Uh, I mean, it gets pretty convoluted, but if you follow along, yeah, the, you know, the number 23, this fixation is, uh, right. is remarkable. And yet the number 24, which we kind of threw in there to show that every number can have so many different associations. If you're, if you're looking for them, the number 24 has, you know, many different, uh, unusual aspects about it. 24 hours in a day, 24 ribs in the human body. Um, you know, it's the number of both the modern classical Greek alphabet. There are 24 perfect numbers. 24 is the largest number divisible by all numbers less than its square root, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So really you pick a number. Just pick a number and you, if you do a little bit of research, should be able to find a number of associations that make that number meaningful. And again, I think it's our brains just really wanting to uh, find some order out of the chaos of numbers. Do you, uh, do you believe, uh, I mean, do you, I don't know if I would say you would live accordingly, but do, I mean, do you put any credence, let's say, in, in numerology in the sense, like if you, the Pythagorean screed, if you take your letters of your name and it becomes out to a number and let's say you, you turn out Marie D. Jones, it comes out to a four, let's say, and that says something about you. Uh, given you know what you know now about numbers, and after researching the book, what do you think about numerology? You know, I've been reading about it quite a bit, and I do think, like astrology, numerology, and you know any any other sort of divination system, there is an art and there is a science to it. I, I know that you have to use your full birth name, and you use your birth date and location in astrology, use your, your full birth name in numerology. And what, what I think is important about that is that the time of birth and the name that we are given, those hold symbolic meanings, names especially. So I had two charts done, two numerology charts done, one with my full married name that I had before I got divorced, and one with my birth name. And I came out to two different numbers. And the interesting thing is, one was four, one was six. And they both really fit me. Hmm. So, you know. Um, but I'm also a Libra, and that doesn't really fit me quite that much. So, I think it's, you ascribe a lot of meaning to a chart that you might get read for yourself. But I do also think, that they can surprise you if the person reading the chart or doing your chart is very good at their job. Um, yeah, I, I believe that there's something to where you were when you were born. I believe there was something to 
the name that your parents chose to give you. Well, and it's... Sorry, it's oh, go ahead. just going to wrap up here, but I just want to say, it, regardless, you know, what side of the fence you're on, it's a fascinating read. Numbers are uh, such fun and incredibly mysterious, and uh, so we have eleven eleven, the time prompt phenomenon. Mary uh, Jones, thank you so much for hanging out. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right, my thanks to Owen Wolf. Back next week with Canada's Edgar Casey, the man with X-ray eyes. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite, I'm coming home. Good night.